Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Jared Russell with DMV Living Keller Williams. It's so nice to meet you, Jared. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to kind of get the conversation started, let's hear a little bit more about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry? Um, I've been in since 2006. I've had lots of different roles and capacities that I've undergone in real estate other than being a realtor, uh, which I am today. So I've come from a lot of different aspects of real estate. Um, I've had about 12 different related jobs to real estate being a realtor in real estate. Um, and then how did you end up being an agent? Do you have a fun story there? Uh, my grandmother kind of pressured me into it uh, is one way to say it. Um, another way to say it is it comes from a long line of realtors, even before my grandmother. Uh, part of my family comes from Scotland and we were realtors over there when the word realtor didn't exist and the word broker didn't even exist. We were called landscapers where we sold castles. So oh, that's fun. How did they get into the business over in Scotland? Uh, I think someone in the family was just working in the yard and controlled all the yard space. Castles over there, massive. And so real estate to them literally meant the land. And the only people that understood the land was the people that took care of it. Mm-hmm. So that's funny. selling it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story. That's kind of a good background. It's like, you've been in it for, you know, you said six years and your family's been in it forever. So you have that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about DMV living. So DMV living, we're uh, a newer team. We just launched actually this year. Um, there's four of us right now. We're growing rapidly. We do business within an hour of the DC line. Um, we're growing really fast and, uh, the way we focus is a little bit different in real estate. We're focusing more on experiences for people mm -hmm. and transactions. So we want to curate an experience. So someone has a positive one. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about that. What do you uh, do differently as far as experiences than other teams? Well, one, we want to start it out where we're focusing mainly on, on nurturing the community relationships. So we will partner with different vendors. Um, let's say we're partnering with a, a local uh, bakery. We'll be able to incorporate that into the experience that a buyer is going to have. Maybe there's, you know, baked goods at the settlement table. There's a variety of different things that we do to try and engage, engage with the community around us. Um, we have a lot of charities and nonprofits that we work with. We donate 2% uh, of all of our uh, proceeds to charities and nonprofits of our clients' choice. And we invite uh, the clients and the companies or the nonprofits and charities to an event together. So we all have a good experience kind of networking with each other. Mm -hmm. 
So kind of bringing that buyer, you know, like the hometown feel, but also bringing them, you know, the um, experience of, you know, you're, you're buying a home, you're selling a home, but you're also, you know, some of that profit is going towards a charity that, you know, you, you want it to go to. Exactly. And, you know, for example, for ProTech, for example, I consider ProTech to be an amazing resource um, that's a local inspection company that is the best, right? And so one thing that I do for my buyers is I pay for their home inspections. I offer a free uh, home inspection for all of my clients that are purchasers. So from a perspective of, you know, your uh, business as a local company, you're able to get uh, an inspection and you're making sure that your inspection is done properly for all my clients. And I'm making sure that I hire you for every single one of my clients and every single purchaser. And that is a relationship that we have that's similar to a lot of the other relationships that I have. And that experience that a buyer is going to have is, wow, uh, you know, as a realtor, you're really, you know, caring about my, my level of service and my success in this experience. So how does DMV Living uh, choose their partners or vendors? Well, we look for someone that we think is above and beyond when they provide a service to people. We look for someone with the same core values as ourselves, where it's a, an experience. And if, if a, a vendor is providing an excellent service, we also want to see that they can grow. And so we want to make sure that we can help them grow too. And would you say that that's pretty standard across other teams or is that something that you guys specifically do? Well, I think everybody's always looking for the best service possible, but I think where most, most agents and most teams fall short on picking their vendors is how they can help their vendors specifically. So engaging with them, offering them something, you know, when I look at a vendor, I don't say like, how can I just, you know, send this person more, you know, more, more deals or more information. I'm looking to see how I can help them specifically in their business. I say to, to the owner of that small business, you know, where, where are you falling short? What can you do better? have you thought of these ideas? I randomly thought of this great idea for your company. What do you think about it? And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have a joint venture where we'll have, and this is because we're recording this right now in a December time, but a lot of times there's pie giveaways this time of the year or giveaway time. Why don't we set up, set up shop somewhere and we can work together and give something out. Um, we could set up a booth, we can provide information, maybe we give free consultations to people, we can provide a little extra service to our community. And by cross marketing and working together, we can give both of our clients, myself, DMV Living, and whoever the vendor is a better experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so, you know, kind of bringing that, that greater level of customer service from the vendors, but also kind of creating these partnerships for, you know, sponsorship programs and things like that, that can really, you know, help with your image, but also, you know, also giving back to the community at the same time. Exactly. So what neighborhoods does your team service? 
Well, we are active in D.C. and in Virginia, hence the team named DMV Living. And, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia is where DMV stands for. And uh, I'd say there's four key areas that we get called to a lot, although we participate in a lot of different areas. I would say Potomac, Maryland, Arlington, Virginia, Tacoma Park, Maryland, everywhere down downtown DC. Those are all the most common places we get phone calls from. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so really focusing in, uh, do you really focus in a certain area or is it just kind of collectively all of those? It's kind of collectively all of those. I'm born and raised in DC. I know it like the back of my hand. I currently live in Maryland. Some of my team lives in Virginia. Some of my team lives in downtown DC. Some lives in Bethesda. We're a little all over, but we, we work where we live. Mm -hmm. And I've lived all around the DC, Maryland, Virginia area at this point, so. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say that's important to kind of work where you've lived before? Or do you think, you know, for an agent going into an area that they've never lived in before, do you think that they'd be able to bring, you know, the same expertise that you're able to bring because you've lived in the same areas? I think it's important to have lived there um, or close to it in large part because when you're bringing a great experience and you're bringing an expertise, you're not necessarily bringing it about the real estate market as much as you are bringing it about a lifestyle. So someone wants to move to, you know, Tacoma Park, Maryland. Tacoma Park, Maryland, as a lifestyle, they allow chickens. They have bees. They're, they're right on the DC line, but it's kind of an odd place. And to be able to explain that to somebody, aside from real estate, what is the flavor of this area? can really give insights into whether it's a good match for them or what they can expect, you know, people to see in the market really want. Yeah, absolutely. And if they're like, where's the local coffee shop? You have that under your belt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, that's really important. You know, you, you have to point where coffee is at all times to every buyer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a good point too. Um, so just for kind of a fun question, what would you say would be the craziest thing that you've ever seen in a home? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, I would say the craziest thing I've seen in a staged house one time where everything was neutral, there was a stager that was hired and brought in and then there was this shrine and the shrine, you know, I just thought really nothing of it at the time, you know, someone probably passed away and, you know, that's, you know, okay. And standard, I can understand why they would want to hold on to those, you know, those memories and hold on to that and keep that in the staged house. So that's the only thing that would stand out. Uh, then I asked the seller about it later and Apparently, it's a living shrine where the grandmother of the house was alive and healthy, and they just refuse to change it because they've had that living shrine in the house. And it was, uh, to say the least, the most um, prevalent position in the house. You open the front door, and it's maybe about 15 feet wide from floor to ceiling candles, everything, lots of energy around it. And then just a standard staged house. I'd say that's the most 
um, you know, craziest thing I've ever really seen. And mm-hmm. was that something that you were selling for? Were you on the seller side or were you on the buyer side for that? I was one? on the buyer side. So <laughs> we were just kind of walking in to maybe uh, something that had to do with someone passing and then just finding out it's just they refuse to change it like the rest of the house they painted all the walls they it's brand it's almost it was two years old the house and construction and just to have a shrine in the middle of the room that wasn't really related to you know a, someone passing away is just kind of funny and strange yeah and did your buyers buy that house uh, no, they didn't. They didn't buy that house. Um, I would say that's the craziest. There's another one that's kind of odd. The second craziest is where the powder room was a, a glass room. So you walk into a, a row house, a townhouse, and, you know, standard, you know, walk in a living room and a dining room. You were to sit down on the couch and the bathroom was encased in glass, the entire bathroom. So you could see inside the bathroom while sitting in the living room. And that was odd. Yeah, that's not exactly my cup of tea when it comes to uh, decorating, but I mean, I guess some people, (laughs) you never know. (laughs) Never know. Uh, those are both good ones. I, uh, I enjoyed hearing both of those. Um, if I'm buying a home, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to know? You need to get a home inspection. <laughs> there you go. Pre-listing preferably. <laughs> yep. So uh, when touring houses, I think it's important to note that even if you're experienced, even if you've bought 10 houses before, I think the common conception is all the value that a realtor can bring. And a lot of times people ignore the process. If 2020 really provided anything new to us, it was in the real estate market. It's that the process needs to be figured out and adhered to more than ever. So a lot of people love to just go online and start searching because that's the exciting part. And then they want to go tour houses, but they ignore the entire process of purchasing a home. And then they just spin their wheels and, and the outcome for them is usually they get lesser of a house or lesser of an experience. Or if they were just to surrender from day one and just carry out the process, they would have a much better time. Yeah, absolutely. And for a seller, what would you say would be the most important thing uh, to prepare for? Mm. I say for a seller in terms of preparation, it's getting ready to move very fast because that's what buyers want in today's market. Um, Whether it's decision making or physically moving or really coming up with the game plan of your next steps. I think a comprehensive plan before you list or you plan to list is important. 
Yeah, especially in today's market, you know, um, things are moving extremely fast. Um, and so you need to be prepared as far as, you know, having your items boxed. What's the next move? Where am I going to live? You know, things like that. And not just expecting your house to stay on the market forever. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, and so talk to me about what the current market is like. How would I know when the best time to buy or sell would be? It's an age-old question of when is the best time. And the answer is pretty much the same every year. The best time is yesterday. And it's because typically the reasons that people move are um, life-changing events or uh, being in a position mentally and emotionally to do a move. Those are the two things. And so if you're looking at those two reasons, everything that falls under the, that umbrella means that yesterday was the best time you can ever make the decision and actually do something. Today is the second best. And when you own a house, you're building up you know, appreciation or equity. You're also able to utilize the house to make it your own and enjoy it. Those are the reasons why you want to do it as soon as you possibly can. The seasonal markets, they all have differences to them and then dive into the numbers. But at the end of the day, the numbers really speak to the sooner you do it, the better off you're going to be. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And can you talk to me a little bit about how the, the market continuously affects the value of my home? Yeah. So um, right now we're seeing interest rates offset values in a little bit. So historically, when the market goes up, the interest rates go down and vice versa. So when people are getting in, when the interest rates low, that means that the appreciation would have just shot up. That's, it's, it's a cycle where you can't expect the purchase price of your house to be at an all-time low if interest rates are low. Right now, we're this year, we've been at this uh, interesting uh, model where the interest rates and the property values weren't in sync for like the first time, meaning the property values may have been going up in a lot of areas, but at the same time, the interest rate was going down at a much steeper rate. So it's been a great opportunity for buyers to get out there and for sellers. It's a win-win on both sides right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you have any predictions for 2021? I know nobody has a crystal ball, so it's kind of a loaded question, but what are your predictions? Well, the trends that we see this year that are starting to look like they're going to carry over into next year is a shift in not um, a large-scale real estate market, but in sub-markets where uh, the demand has changed. So let's say in 2008 and other times when there's been a shift in the market, we've seen that people across the board had the same opinions, meaning, oh, the prices are going down across the board. This year, what we've seen is properties have been going down in lots of areas and going up in lots of areas, meaning it's all about the submarkets specifically the suburbs further away from the cities have done really well this year 
and your inner cities, especially the larger inner cities, they have not fared too well this year. Mm. And so what we're looking at next year is a lot of vacation homes is going to become uh, people's primary residences and homes that are further away from what used to be uh, economic centers like Washington, D.C. People are shifting away from downtown and maybe moving out further away for a little bit more space or a cheaper price point and willing to do a commute or maybe not needing to do a commute anymore because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So I'd say going into next year, we're going to see a continuance of that. This year, the demand for classrooms, gyms, and home office, those are three brand new rooms that just popped up before people would you know, squeeze into a shoebox to get closer to work and then just you know, go to the gym and outsource those rooms. Yeah. And now it's like, why, why do you do that when you can work from home, you're going to school from home, you're going to the gym from home and all the things like that. So you, would you say that they're moving away from the city for majority of more space? I would say they're moving away from the city for majority of more space. And that goes for inside and outside. Mm-hmm. So if you look at inner cities, they just don't have lots with outdoor space available. And the ones that do rarely come up on the market. And those ones are escalating in value so much that it's priced out for a lot of people that they would have to then go to the suburbs. Also the demand for, you know, all these new rooms would mean that those rooms now need to be inside the house or near the house, let's say in a satellite. And we've been seeing a lot of satellite uh, properties, meaning that there's a shed that's converted into an office or a gym, or they have like a new little outdoor space that they convert into something or, or one of their garages is now a gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know what I'm ordering tonight. I need a shed. Um, so obviously with real estate, there's a ton of different moving pieces, but what would you say would be your favorite thing about the industry? I think my favorite is the communication and connection that I can have with people. It's, it's a very personal experience. And a lot of times when I, when I sit down and talk to people, I say, okay, if we're going to work together, this is like a short-term marriage. And it requires a lot of communication and open honesty and transparency. And my favorite part is just becoming a part of someone's life and connecting with them and then being able to nurture relationships moving forward. I think it's exciting and I can help them meet their biggest dreams and goals today, which is to own or sell a property and and help them. So those are my favorite things about it. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, And so do you prefer working with buyers or sellers? Do you have a preference? I don't have a preference. I I work with people. I don't work with houses. I sell houses, which is the byproduct of helping people. Mm -hmm. I'm just there for the person itself. Yeah. I like that motto. You're selling the, or you're helping the person not selling the home. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, And so let's talk about a really challenging time for you and how you overcame that. And this can be personally or professionally. Um, A lot of people 
that have known me a long time would probably say it has to do with uh, surviving cancer a couple times. Mm. Um, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you know, overcoming that and starting and having your small business at the same time can be challenging. Um, you wear lots of hats as a realtor and mm. overcoming, you know, medical procedure early on in life can be a little, you know, eye opening. And I'd say that was one that um, was a challenge that I felt like I was able to grow and learn that the community that I've lived in was really giving back to me and helping and supporting me. Mm-hmm. So that that taught me a lot about giving back to the community and made me really want to try and help people in, in their lives. And, you know, coming through cancer, it requires a lot, uh, a lot of differences in lifestyle. Um, aside from, you know, broccoli tasting like vodka, it's, it's very different in terms of how you live. And I think, you know, helping a lot of seniors, which I help a lot of seniors to be able to give back and help them and coming from an understanding of that has helped me a lot too. And that challenge has only made stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's definitely not a small feat, you know, to overcome. So congratulations, you know, on overcoming that. And also, you know, what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation about you really just want to help people. And, you know, I think that that could also come from, you know, deep within of, you know, like you said, you've always just wanted to help other people. Um, And then just kind of going through that struggle has kind of helped you realize that even more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so my next question was going to be about your biggest life achievement. Would you say that, you know, overcoming cancer would be one of your biggest life achievements or what would you say would be your biggest life achievement? Um, I would say it's definitely, I mean, overcoming cancer is, you know, it's, it's an achievement, but I wouldn't say it's the biggest by, by a long shot. I would say the biggest is being able to connect with the people in my life um, having a family that's been great to me. Uh, I've had, um, a lot of friends that I've been able to keep in touch with since elementary school. <clears throat> so I'm born and raised in the Washington area. And so I still am in communication with them. I still hang out with them. So I'd say as an achievement, it's being able to achieve lifelong relationships and have great people around me has been my biggest achievement. Yeah, that's a great one. You say you still talk to people from elementary school. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm one of those people that I don't even know some of the names of the people I went to elementary schools with. So I love that. I've always said, you know, I've, I want a friend. I mean, I have friends that have been with me through a lot, but I don't have that one friend that's been with me from the very beginning, unless you count siblings. So that's really unique. Yes. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, that's, it, it means a lot, I think, having friends, family, people around you. So that's my biggest achievement by far. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and tell me something that most people probably don't know about you. Do you have any hobbies or fun facts? I have all the hobbies. <laughs> um, 
in terms of fun facts, so I pick up a lot of hobbies. I'm almost like a little hobbyist. It's um, most recently with coronavirus, I got into woodworking, um, which was a natural progression from metalworking. Um, but I, I like to dabble and I like to explore and challenge myself. And I don't need to be a master of any hobbies. I like to just have a, an understanding of lots of hobbies because I enjoy the, the process of the education part of it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What are some of the woodworking projects you've been working on? Well, I just finished a nightstand table that's very wobbly. <laughs> you have a, maybe a few more months to figure it out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and so are you currently reading any books or listening to any podcasts? How do you gain your knowledge? I listen to audiobooks when I exercise. Um, that's normally how I have the time and energy to absorb a lot of the books out there. Um, I, I'm always listening to audiobooks uh, when I'm exercising. Sometimes I'll try and listen to them when I'm traveling around as well. Um, a lot of my, my audiobooks that I listen to have to do with real estate or the market or um, something to do with psychology. So uh, the psychology of sales, the psychology of helping people to understand that has been a big interest of mine. And so I'm always trying to sharpen my skills with those things. And are these something that you apply to, you know, just professionally or do you apply these kind of to your everyday life? Well, I like to sell everyone in my life everything I possibly can. So I can use sell, you know, selling tactics wherever I can. I can try and sell my mom on making, getting her to make me some cookies this month. So Trying to come up with uh, different skills in selling, I think, is important. And I use it both in my professional life and personal life. Yeah, I mean, if you can't do it in your personal life, why could you do it in your professional life? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So where do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you have any long-term goals? Mm, I have lots of long-term goals. So, and I track my goals weekly every Friday. So I actually, where I would be in five years from now, I look at it every Friday, how I can get to where I want to be in five years. Um, Professionally, I want to be able to uh, service and help more people in our market. And that means I need to get in front of more people. Um, And, you know, mostly right now, I'm all referral for the most part. Uh, I've done, you know, a great job with someone and then they refer back to me, but I think how I want to grow my business, um, I want to be able to grow it where I'm not just growing my own uh, professional uh, services where I'm helping someone buy or sell a home. I'm also trying to figure out how I can help different uh, communities, whether it's through charities and nonprofits and trying to get them to grow. So I want to be able to help my communities at large. Mm -hmm. And in five years from now, I want my team to be, you know, three times the size it is today, servicing a lot more people and helping a lot more small businesses in our community. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so let's say I'm your next prospective client. Why should I call you? Why not? <laughs> I think, I think, you know, when people are looking for someone to help them, they're looking for people that they can know and trust. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people put emphasis on who they like right now. And there's 17,000 realtors that, you know, anyone can call. There's tons of us. The experience level amongst them is usually less than one deal a year. And it's not that I have a lot of experience. It's the reason is that I have a lot of passion and that has resulted in a lot of experience. And someone would hire me because I have the passion to get you to the finish line with a great experience that you'll be happy about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so how would I be able to reach you? A good phone number, email, social media handles, things like that. Uh, you can call, text, email me. You can get me on any social platform. Um, I can give you my mom's phone number, give you my, my sister's phone number. I'm very easy to connect with. Um, I'm very, I'm an open book. Um, in terms of uh, connecting with me on phone, you can call me 301-351-7711. That's my cell phone. I say anybody, bring it anytime. Um, my email, it's jaredr at kw.com. Pretty easy. And DMV Living Group is my team name, and you can always find us on social media there. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jared, for taking the time to uh, meet with me today. I hope that everybody out there listening can find this valuable. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.